Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Steve Eurydice. I am uh, still in quarantine, still your sex whisperer out here in the internet universe. And today I'm speaking with a, an amazing intimacy wellness expert, Susan Braddon. She's joining us from San Francisco, from the Marin County, and she has so much experience that it's going to be an hour full of information. So do not leave. Stay tuned. She's the author of 34 books <laughs> on sexual wellness of all kinds of thing, ways, interesting, uh, different ways, you know, from relationship magic to dirty talk to getting your physical functionality improved, uh, you know, how to make love, how to orgasm, how to communicate with your partner, how to save your marriage. And she's also the co-founder of Personal Life Media and The 20, um, which uh, sells the world's first organic blood flow supplement for uh, better lovemaking, and it's called Flow. So she'll tell us all about that as well. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hi, beautiful Eve. Thanks for having <laughs> me. We've been wanting to get together for so long. For and uh, uh -huh. I'm, I was really glad that you were up for wanting to talk about how to smash the patriarchal view of orgasm. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> smash, that is a good the, subject. Right. Smashing the patriarchy is my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I feel like the most effective way is to do it with our logic and our language because then it's more inclusive. You know, it's not just saying, I, you know, I hate men, which, you know, it, I... I I think you and I agree men are victims of this just as much as women. So the patriarch is, is just a word of like the patriarch who was at the beginning of it all and set up rules of extreme control that affect the personal happiness and freedom of, both, of all genders, right? So mm -hmm. within that, yes, uh, the limitations of women's orgasms. Do you actually, do you agree that there are seven different orgasms that women can experience? Well, I like to say 15. <laughs> and I love you. That's, that's for both men and women. Okay. <laughs> um, what I was thinking about was how, how could I convey in a one hour show with you the different things that I think go into expanding our view of what our orgasmic potential is um, moving from what I'd like to define as what I call the patriarchal view of orgasm. And as I was thinking about it, I think there's a conversation that we need to have about um, genital anatomy and erectile function. That's important. And engorgement. There's kind of the, the physical piece that I think you can't really understand how to, see a bigger orgasmic potential until you understand how the how the body actually functions. So there's that piece. Then the second piece is what you just said, which is this idea of how many kinds of orgasms are there? So I'd like yeah. to take a minute to define the types of orgasms. And what I often get asked from people is, what does that feel like? Because it's easy for us to speak them into the world, but also there needs to be a language of kinesthetics, of body-based 
reality for people so that they understand not just rationally what they're going for, but what they are going for in their body and their feelings. So I think that's a second piece. And then a third piece is, and, and I'm not sure which one of these comes first. This is very chicken and egg, if you will. But when you're talking about the kinds of orgasms a body can experience, can express, can feel, you also need to talk about how orgasm happens and the different types of orgasms um, from the perspective that it's not just a lead up to climax, having a climax, and then having a refractory period, which is the right, right, which is the cliche-old perspective that I want to update for the 21st century so there's that piece of it and then that always gets into and there this is more than we have time for but i want to kind of lay the foundations of what it takes to achieve your orgasmic potential because i consider myself i like to call myself an orgasmonaut like an (laughs) astronaut that goes out into the far reaches of orgasmic space of orgasmic possibility i love it i love Um, it i have taken myself into those places and what does it take to be comfortable confident connected relaxed enough to achieve those states because that's the fourth piece of this it's not just about the physicality it's not just about understanding the types of things it's not just understanding what it feels like in your body not just understanding the way orgasm really works versus what we've been taught but also underlying all of that, the firmament upon which your orgasmic expansion lies, the bed in which it lies, is safety and surrender and pleasure and trust and heart connection and all of those pieces. So I don't think any conversation about smashing the patriarchal view of orgasm is complete without each one of those essential components right. of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it's such a huge topic, I mean, look how long just to introduce it. <laughs> um, I feel that, you know, people get a tiny glimpse of it or a little summary and they think that's it, right? So to me, the more interesting aspect is the mental aspect. You know, the, opening up your mind to the understanding of it, to what, you know, you just said, is a big hack, you know, a big life hack, because we Mm -hmm. just don't have that concept to begin with of of what orgasm is. And then, you know, we we have a lot, I think that our generation of feminist women, you know, have felt that, okay, you know, we, we taught the world about the clit and we, you know, we got men to like be willing to give, you know, pleasure back. That's like huge. <laughs> and we kind of like get stuck there. And then everything else, all the other potential ways of feeling that orgasmic freedom and one, oneness, you know, have stayed at the level of like, mm, you know, borderline porn, shame, embarrassment, right? So getting all of that out in the open and trying to legitimize it as much as like the clitoral orgasm uh, was, you know, in the 60s and 70s, that would be amazing, right? Yeah, I think that awareness is an instant 
open door. The minute you become aware that there's right. seven or 15 kinds <laughs> of orgasms, yeah. it flings wide the door to possibility. So awareness is one of the biggest pieces of finding your orgasmic potential. Right. And the other thing is that I think when we when we think about the clitoris still, a lot of people are stuck in um, the tip of the clit, just the little 5% of what they see. And so that's where I want to go to anatomy and really talk very simply about how to swing wide the door of your orgasmic potential by understanding what's actually going on down there. But before I do, I think I'd like to also just say my piece about what I think um, the male patriarchal view of orgasm is. Yes, go ahead. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So um, what what it looks like to me is um, in today's modern age, is still, um, I'm, uh, I have a hard on, I'm the male, I've got a hard on, so now I want to fuck, and um, I'm going to uh, throw you down on the bed, and your bra's still going to be on, and I'm going to rip your panties off, and I'm going to spread your legs, and I'm going to maybe spit in my hands on your pu- and on your pussy. And then, is it okay if I say things like that? Yes, absolutely. And it's okay. so true. <laughs> I'm going to spit on your pussy with, with my spit, and then I'm going to shove my dick in you. I'm going to pump away like a piston, boom, 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 in and out, in and out, in and out, like a piston, like my cock is completely unconscious of what it's in it's just in this wet hole that feels good to my dick and then I'm gonna come and I'm gonna ask you if you came and you're gonna lie and tell me you did and then you're gonna do that about a hundred times because you like to be close to me and then you're gonna stop wanting sex with me because you resent me because you never get to come and you never get warmed up and I begin to hate you and I uh, start to look for someone who's more exciting and interesting to me, who actually has an emotional connection to me, who cares about me. Meanwhile, you've gone along thinking you're great in bed. You've uh, made me come. Um, you, you like sex with me. It feels really good to me. I come every time. And I'm super glad and I've got a great sex life. And then all of a sudden one day you don't want sex with me. And I think, oh, there's something wrong with you. Right. You're frigid. You're a, you must be a lesbian. Um, you know, you're just, yeah. you're just a bitch who's withholding yeah. and rejecting me. And I fucking hate you. Yeah. <laughs> and so like that was a dramatization. Yes, I want to say that that's not really what I think is actually happening most of the time. But if you look at the movies and you look at porn and you look at the dissatisfaction of most women, and if you're like me, you've talked to thousands upon thousands of married men whose wives don't want to have sex with them anymore and they want to know what to do. I got an email from a guy today who said, how do I get my wife to want me for sex again? Which is one of the most common emails I get. She had some affairs just before she turned 50 and now she's gone through menopause and she just doesn't want me anymore, even though I've forgiven her for the affairs. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is the classic construct. Like you are just like all the other guys. And this is what has happened in the past. And what I will say is that number one, I love men. And I truly do think that the majority of men and I mean, like 99% of men want to give women incredible pleasure. 
but what they're doing isn't working and they've tried and she's not helping and they're both lost and you know so how do you turn that story around I don't want people to hate me because I'm, I'm saying that story and thinking shut up bitch you, you don't even know what you're talking about that's not how I am what I'm telling you is that I've been a sex expert for 15 years and I've gotten thousands of emails from people who I see that story play out over and over and over and over again. Right. So yeah. I do know what I'm talking about. It yeah. does happen. <laughs> well, what I found, I mean, that's part of, um, you know, the people that I know and the people who are my listeners and the people who come on the show are not that way, of course, you know. So I, I like to think, no, I, not I like to think, I do believe that the majority of the younger generation um, have a different approach to it because they're taught, you know, a lot of those guys, their moms were feminists or something, you know, or they have heard about date rape, which is a relatively new concept. They have heard that there are consequences, you know, that the word will go out even, you know, through like Tinder or the dating app that this guy, you know, doesn't like respect consent or whatever. So there is, there is, and, and, and there is also kind of like, as I said in the beginning, a new pride among men that they want to please you. So even if they ask you, did you come, they often, you know, like start by eating you out. They first will eat you out and then they'll go in and they feel that that, so that may replace like what the proverbial spit, right? Or they'll be okay with using like lube or coconut water. Um, but uh, oil, sorry, coconut oil. But the <laughs> um, but but I, but I feel that yes, what the the crux of what you're saying is that you know for the entirety of patriarchy, which is thousands and thousands of years, the, the our understanding of the sexual initiative belongs to the man, and it belongs to the man with that physical desire expressed by like the hard on and the 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 woman is the the, pass, the passive one by means of like having the, the receptacle the whole right um and the the woman's expression of sexual desire and of love which you brought up the word love which is very telling and a huge difference and we mix everything up somehow um is in receiving and in pleasing so many of the women continue to feel that you know by kind of like uh, giving in and 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 having the sexual experience even if they come you know clitorally or even vaginally even if sometimes they squirt they feel that this is how they express love and acceptance and i don't think it's the same for men you know men take way longer to understand, to feel, you know, to 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 uh, to feel the same kind of like uh, expansion of love and intimacy that women get into right away. So there is definitely a disconnect, and I think that that's part of the patriarchy disconnect. So even when you talk to like really progressive woke guys, you know, they'll be like, well, you know, women need like a hundred hours of talking for like, you know two hours of great sex and I'll talk to them because I want to get laid, you know. So it, it's, it's in, you know, it's rare, it's rare, even though it's happening more and more to find the man who is as open and, and receptive, you know, intimate in intimacy uh, as, as the woman. And that's because they're not raised that way. 
the race to not speak, to be macho, to go out and wage war, to take things, you know, to compare each other by means of like either their women or their value, you know, the monetary value. Like historically, women were loot. You know, there was a war, you would take the women, you would rape them, you'd give them to the soldiers as perks, right? So we need to kind of like disconnect for from all that ancestral, uh, you know, trauma and social conditioning that has come with it that separates how women and men respond to sexual desire and, and sexual ex exchange. So I think that's what the main thing is about, you know, the main difference is about uh, how the patriarchy has formed us. So whereas women are the powerful sex gender, because we do get more orgasms, we can do have them continuously. We can go on and on while men like will pass out, right? No, that's not true. Men, no. men can also orgasm like women. I think that's a misnomer. I think that's, that's part great. of the patriarchy. That's view great. As well. That's great. Yeah. That's the patriarchal oppression of men. It's like you're done. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, go ahead. I mean, I would love to hear about all the fifteen <laughs> um, ways of you know, finding pleasure and uh, and how you think, like, each one, um, you know, what do you think the best way is to go about discovering, opening up, you know, learning, adjusting, you know, not being stuck in, in the familiar? Okay, so the first thing that I want to say is um, let's talk about the 15 kinds of male and female orgasms. To, to really discuss that, what you have to understand is that the male and female body are actually very, very similar. We just think they're different. We think that women are able to have to be multi-orgasmic and that men are basically one ejaculatory orgasm and done. And that's one of the things that patriarchal sex has ruined for men is this notion that ejaculation and orgasm are essentially entwined when actually there's separate systems in the body. Um, the Taoists have been um, having male multiple orgasms through full body energy orgasms for thousands of years. And most people don't pick up Taoist practices because it also includes semen retention, which means you don't get to ejaculate. You just have yeah, orgasms yeah, yeah. without it. Yeah, the yeah. thing that modern men need to understand is that you can actually use these techniques to choose to have ejaculatory choice. You can come when you want to or when she wants you to or your partner wants you to, he wants you to, anyone wants you to, uh, you can decide to um, ejaculate when you want to rather than feeling like you don't have any control over it. And then you can begin to take that sexual energy that you're shooting out the end of your penis and bring it into your body and circulate it and bring the pleasure inside, connect it to your heart, connect it to your brain, connect it to God, to connect it to source. And so that's the notion yeah, that I think yeah. most men need to understand is that orgasm, and this is the same for women, orgasm isn't that chart you saw from Masters and Johnson that showed, you know, the orgasms can you have. Well, you can have tiffing orgasms. You can have getting hickeys and your neck can give you orgasms. Your clavicle and sternum, the breast tissue, the nipples, the erectus abdominis of your belly. If you grab that and shake it a little, rock it a little, you can come from that. You can come from stroking the mons, stroking the labia, stroking the clitoris, getting the shaft erect, licking it, sucking it, rubbing it, swiping across it circles on the 
opening to the vagina, fingers inside, tongue inside, penis inside, uh, combinations of uh, blended fingers, tongues, you know, there's just so many. And then, of course, uh, anal gasms, because that perineal sponge sits between the opening, it sits between the rectum and the vaginal canals. So, it loves stimulation inside. The anus has tons of t ner uh, nervous tissue uh, that's full of sensation. The perineal area, the spot between the opening to the vagina and the opening to the anus, never mix the two. I always want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep kosher. <laughs> yes, yeah. One hand yeah. is for the ani. One yeah. hand is for the vagina. Yeah, Never sure. the two shall meet. Yeah. Use a yeah. nice tight glove with lots of lube. Take the glove yes. off. Yes. Wash yes. your hands. Yes. Uh, e. coli is not your friend. No. Uh, and I, I personally don't recommend rimming. I, I mean, I think it takes a lot of cleanliness. Uh, there's a lot of parasite transmission and E. coli. You have to be careful with. It's like something yeah. you see on porn. That is not the real world. Yes. So yes. just oh, you know, everybody's talking about rimming, and I'm just. Old school. I like to friggin' protect my health. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got all these wonderful but, things. Uh -huh. But I do have a question. Does yeah. it sound the way you describe it, like men have to do more work? I mean, I don't think so. But, you know, uh, does is there reciprocity in all of this besides the pleasure that we get from, you know, from pleasing the other? Well, what I've what I found with men, and you know, I painted a very negative picture of that patriarchal orgasmic experience earlier in this episode. But in all honesty, most men would give up their own pleasure to give a woman pleasure. And once a man gets some skill in understanding how to be a good lover and how to give pleasure in he wants to do that for hours there's nothing that makes most men happier than coming the shit out of their woman yeah, for I hours i agree no i agree so it's, it's not work, a sense of pride guys. yeah yeah i mean I, if it's work I, it's that he just hasn't had enough experience he literally doesn't have enough techniques techniques are very important mm -hmm, for men to know mm -hmm. and i feel that one of our problems you know uh that started basically with Judeo-Christian, you know, teaching, you know, it starts like early in school, you learn the, the Bible and you learn about Adam and Eve. And one of our problems is that we are not trained to use our mind while we're having sex. We feel like that's when like the mind goes to sleep, right? We're not thinking and we're just kind of going into some animal nature and we're not speaking and we're moaning. So thinking about what you're saying, you know, being aware in some basic, uh, you know, uh, consciousness of the anatomy of the perks of what might work next you know of the mechanics of it staying you know conscious mentally and thinking and not just kind of like you know letting go because you feel that this is like the unspeakable what happens in the dark you know we're just gonna like do what animals do and then we'll go back to our normal life normal right but like normalizing the sexual experience is part of like what the eye does, you know, the, 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 the same kind of like thinking self that makes all kinds of other decisions in life, I think is very useful in this. So you can keep in mind what you just said. Yeah. I totally agree with you, Eve. And, and the way I describe that, the words I use for that uh -huh. are conscious versus unconscious sex. Anyone can make a baby 
making love is actually a series of a skill set of an, an, an awareness and understanding of certain principles. Um, I wrote a book that's probably my second most popular book. It's called Sexual Soulmates, mm, The Six yes. Essentials for Connected Sex. And in it, one of those is one of those six essentials for connected sex is presence, actually being present. Because what you were talking about when you were describing that conscious versus unconscious sex, unconscious sex is friction. It's uh, we're not talking. I mean, not talking ruins sex. Um, talking, whether it's sentient and sexual mastery, is understanding these things we've been talking about. How to get a woman so engorged and turned on that she comes like crazy for you, so she wants more sex with you instead of just spitting on your hands and plunging in and getting off in her pussy and leaving her high and dry with one stupid little clit orgasm that's like a sneeze, like boring. She doesn't want to have sex with a guy who's boring the shit out of her. That's the problem. So once a guy understands that he has to do these four things, and that they're not work, they're actually really fun, and they re-inject excitement back into right. the relationship, what is the romance that there's different types of romance, and different types of romance, some will get you laid and some won't. There's romance <laughs> that is, um, <laughs> there's romance that moves her emotionally, and when you move a woman's emotions, you move her body, you move her toward you you create connection with her that reminds her why she fell in love with you in the first place and why she wanted you then so she'll want you again where other things like um creating uh you know like framing a photo of the two of you they remind her why she loved you but they don't actually make her want to have sex with you um making her a playlist of the music that turns her on the most and giving it to her with a full body massage that's a romantic thing that you can do that actually moves you toward sex so the five pillars of passion were essentially a look into what 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 you can do to be to to recreate a fully romantic reconnection with your partner some of which you do because she needs it and some of which you do because it reminds her body that she actually does that she actually is a sexual creature yeah 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 that's nice i yeah i feel that um again you know in in my work through this podcast especially uh, i found that a lot more people are normative and have those issues than I thought you know when I yeah. when I used to work before I would go to communities that were already like sexually potent communities and write about them investigate uh, you know film them document them uh, and it was kind of like you know my idea of like the Masters and Johnson of the 21st century but now because I've had so many more uh, people who are listeners coming on and asking questions, I find that actually those things, you know, at the most basic domestic level are the things that make a difference. You know, why does she want me? Why doesn't she want me? You know, why is he functioning this way? Why is he malfunctioning? Is it normal? And, and, and these days there is the, the easy kind of like way out. I feel that like with ghosting and, you know, dating apps, it's super easy to say, okay, you know, eh, eh, I can try someone else, right? And in, instead we get into kind of like these repeat patterns, but they feel less uh, limiting because we, we get to change partners so much faster and, you know, and, and more easily. So we're always kind of like saying, 
staying on the surface of things instead of getting deeper, either emotionally or sexually. You know, uh, we, you know, people. I feel like a lot of people stay now at the, with the high of the start of the beginning when it's like the conquering and the flirting and the like self advertising and the fantasy of each other. And, you know, as soon as that gets into, like, everyday reality with all of its limitations, they start thinking that, oh, I made a mistake. She wasn't for me. She doesn't understand me or he doesn't understand me. Uh, you know, I can go back and, like, swipe again. <laughs> so, yeah, I, f I feel that um, I wish... I wish as well as feel that, you know, this type of sexual education should be readily available. And I think that that's one of our greatest challenges, you know, that like what you're saying should be accessible to everyone. You know, it should be like opera level accessibility. We should have millions of people who are listening and are kind of like taking it in. Uh, I think it should be in, you know, at the elementary school level, the high school level, middle school level. And then, you know, of course, like in our daily media programming, along with everything. But it seems that instead we get like, um, you know, cute little articles maybe about how to get, you know, this guy interested or that don't go in depth, that don't include the anatomy you just explained to us, that don't, you know, include like the... The specifics. So, you know, the people who are interested and who have the time and who have the financial ability will look and find you. Uh, and, you know, that's uh, personallifemedia.com. <laughs> um, Susan Bratton. And you have an endless su supply of both, um, I feel, um, biohacking options like... Uh, supplements, um, shots, and, you know, kind of like quick, quick, quick little uh, aids to the body so that the flow on the physical level happens, right? But also a wealth of information and advice about, you know, practicing it. Um, but it does take time, and I wish that it were stigma-free and just readily available so we would, you know, hear about it the same way that we hear about, you know, uh, whatever, clothing brands. <laughs> like, someone should be the Yeezy of, you know, of sex ed. Uh, that's where we need to get, quickly. <laughs> uh, because without overcoming that stigma of the patriarchy, and that's why we, you know, kind of like resent and demonize the patriarchy without overcoming that stigma. We can't like help people uh, get, live the best life they can live. And what else is life for? I mean, you know, just like work and give and raise kids, you know, what do you get for yourself? This is one of the main pleasures that we all get to experience, you know, poor and rich and, you know, all all races, like, across the board is one of the few species-wide, you know, kind of like bliss portals. So when I was talking about, it, when I was talking about orgasm, and I was talking about how, if you picture in your mind um, a mountain, you go up one side of the mountain, and then you kind of fall off the cliff. It's like yeah. your orgasm is half dome. You know, you walk up the backside, you fall off a cliff. Um, and then you think about a stair step where each step is going up and each step is a little longer than the last. 
And when you think about almost an escalator of pleasure, that's what expanded orgasm is. Expanded orgasm is a clitoral stroking technique. It's been called many things, expanded orgasm, orgasmic meditation, ex uh, deliberate orgasm or DO doing, it's been called um, ex expanded, extended massive orgasm, EMO, it's been called um, many different things. There are many different flavors, different lineages of this particular clitoral stroking technique. And this clitoral stroking technique helps women get into this, the moment of orgasm, the moment of climax, and then to be able to take that moment of climax and really pull the moment of climax like taffy to make it longer and longer. So instead of going up that hill and then falling off a cliff, what you do is you go up that hill and then the hill grows longer and longer and you're just staying in orgasm and then you take a little break and then you climb another hill and that's a really long flat plateau at the top of that hill it's like a series of mesas that you begin to achieve rather than a peak and a fall and the way that you do that is through a very conscious deliberate slow light stroke on the clit with one finger underneath the hood usually for most women um if the clit is 12 o'clock then it's off her left side at two o'clock that's where the right. majority right. of the nerve endings yeah. end for many women about 80 to 90 percent of women and the when you give the clit nerve endings that light delicate stroke on the meat of the clitoral head very light you don't wear it out, you actually allow it to sink into an orgasmic space that expands with pleasure and flows through your whole body. This expanded orgasm practice is something that when a couple has this practice, and as I've said, Tim, who, whom I've almost been married to for going on 30 years now, um, this is really the practice that saved our marriage because I was one of those women that didn't want to have sex with my husband anymore. I was one of those women who couldn't come from penetration, who didn't know how to squirt, who could maybe squeeze out one clitoral orgasm from my vibrator. Um, and I didn't want to have sex with him after a decade of having sex with him and not really being satisfied myself. And I just lost my interest in sex. And so we went on a journey to figure out what we could do to get our sex life back and learning this expanded orgasm practice was really one of the Rosetta Stones for us in finally receiving selfless orgasmic pleasure where I realized my husband loves to give it to me. He doesn't expect to get sex afterward. He is always just available for me when I'm ready and, I, and now because the pressure's off, I'm ready all the time when um i feel well you know health yeah, is, yeah if you don't yeah. feel well you don't feel like having sex but it'll no. come back I, I trust my body now but it got rid of my performance anxiety it taught me how to have orgasms from intercourse plus all the g-spot work he did on me really really healed a lot of the sexual trauma that i've had which in actual fact the large majority of people both masculine and feminine everyone across the gender spectrum has had sexual trauma, whether it's religious oppression, 
you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier, Eve, with, you know, feeling that sex is a sin or never having a good lover or being embarrassed about our bodies or our genitals or feeling shame for our desire or being traumatized by another person, whether that's a, usually someone in your family with incest or a date or, you know, uh, whatever it might be. We've talked about all, all of these things on the show. We've, we've covered a wide ground. You know, whenever you talk about sex, you have to talk about the whole person and all of their collective experiences. Yeah, and, and, and I really feel that, me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do feel that, you know, the earliest understanding of sex that we all have because of our lack of education is akin to rape, you know, yeah. uh, b- because we were too young and uneducated to understand yeah. consent or speaking about it, you know, when you're a teenager um, yeah. or even younger sometimes. So, you know, for many women and oftentimes, you know, boys, it's just a violation. What we would, you know, we, what we would qualify as a form of rape, as a, you know, lack of consent, because if you, there is no educated consent and it's coerced, then your body doesn't know what it's in for. And then it becomes, you know, that the rape level violation. So getting from that original experience, right, to healing, to self-healing and to finding the pleasure in it. And, and then kind of like the wealth of different, uh, you know, experiences of what your body can give you when you accept it. That's a long journey. And it takes time and, and you know, a, a little bit of effort, you know, looking for the solutions, looking to, to figure it out and not assume that we're all like born knowing everything. I mean, I feel like, you know, we take lessons for so long just to drive a damn car <laughs> or whatever. You know, how long have we been in school to learn like to do basic math or to learn the geography of the, the planet, which most of us don't even remember anymore, you know, or to memorize some text or, you know, learn languages, learn a new language. But we don't take that time to learn the language of sex and the, you know, how the, the functionality of our anatomy, which seems much more you know, fundamental to every human being. So I think that's the value of your work and that's the value of our, you know, our putting this programming out there for everyone around the world who can access it um, because it's fundamental education to me, you know, and and that's very different from, you know, porn. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think it's like, you know, education one-on-one. 101 you know you really cannot uh, live a happy life without learning about it and you can search on our website at personallifemedia.com and just go up on the top right type in any keywords and you'll find answers it's the rosetta stone of hot sex yeah it is it is you have a body work yeah you have an amazing (laughs) resource you've organized it beautifully you've sustained it through the years you know to your (laughs) credit you know it's it's hard to stay true to this and just grow it and enjoy and update it you know i saw that you even speak on you know boundaries uh you know expressing your limits all of that which is so important nowadays for the younger generation yeah so thank you thank you you've done an amazingly amount of work in this in this field and i mean no you have to come back (laughs) i am happy Uh, to come back 
What else do you want to talk about? What else is interesting to you right now? (laughs) What are you really into right now, Eve? Well, I'm into, you know, I mean, what I brought up before, I'm I'm very interested in it because I hadn't thought about it before, which is the state of flow, accessing Mm -hmm. the state of flow that we get in from orgasm as a way of healing, you know, Mm because I feel that we are all in a state of like kind of like mass disease, right? Yeah. Uh, So it's, you know, even though, you know, people, listeners have like specific questions, you know, like what are the best ways to initiate phone sex? What are the best ways to initiate, you know, video sex? You know, should I dare, you know, do I trust this other person on the other end to like not use the material uh, in some unethical way in the future? Um, You know, dating during coronavirus. So I know that these are like huge questions, uh, but at the heart of it is we got to heal, you know, and and the, the whole planet seems to be in a state, you know, of like uh, diseased functionality, which is a, a state of like discomfort with our body and our environment, you know, and whatever toxicity there is out there. So I do feel that if we associate that place of like flow that we get through orgasm, to the place of where we need to be in order to heal, right? Globally, that's that's a, you know that's a beautiful kind of like closing statement, and that's a beautiful um, work to do when you go inward, which is what I think we should be doing more in this time. You know, it's just kind of like revisit our choices, revisit our our, our choices also of partners. I think that COVID has made monogamy or at least kind of like, you know, living, I don't believe in, in government sanctioned marriage, but, you know, living with a, a mate, highly desirable again, right? <laughs> so it seems that, that like the tech revolution has made it less interesting because, you know, you could be single and you could be seeing all kinds of people non-stop and why sacrifice like you know your freedom in your space um but this is one of the lessons for me and for many of the people i hear from from covid is like you know uh, make the compromise commit to one person and you know find someone who's willing to kind of like you know uh, learn with you and grow with you expand with you um you know, sexually, so you can stay together because, hey, you know, you could like wake up into a pandemic and then you're alone trying to learn how to have like phone sex with strangers, you know, or like depending on vibrators and, you know, smart toys. Um, and so that's a big thing that's in my mind. And, and you know, I as I mentioned at the beginning of the phone call, I also think that we've all uh, seen the, the value of going back to nature, you live in nature and, you know, that's just such a, yeah, I think it's beautiful in so many ways. Your oxygen is, you know, intake is better, right? Your access to like locally grown food is better. Um, and, um, you can your, your access to like social mobility in a time of is- isolation is better, right? You just have more space. So yeah, uh, all of this you know has is definitely on everyone's mind. Kind of like making this uh, our conversation is untimely, and I feel that any time in the future where it will stay permanently out there in the internet, people will profit from it when they access it. And, you know, it's good to kind of place it in this moment, this extraordinary moment in our history where we just 
did a massive reset, right? Yeah, I like to call it the great pause. And normally when we're in pause, it's the middle of winter, it's the dark time. Mm. But right now we're in the middle of pause in the springtime. And it really, I think, encourages us not just to rest and relax, but to, like you said, reconsider what we want our life to be like going forward. And having the connection that we all that is the birthright of our humanity to be connected to each other in, in bliss yes. is such an important reset. Stopping the consumptive culture and restarting as a connective culture. Um, that's the conversation that we're having here today. And I really appreciate you giving, you giving me access to your platform of fans and followers because as I've been, we've been talking for probably six months to a year, somewhere in there, you and I having, yes, you know, connection yes, yes, and conversation yes, yes, over yes. Instagram. And, you know, I've been a real fan of the heart and the, the global perspective that you bring to conscious sexuality and connection as a cure for so much of what we we crave that we're missing so thank you so much oh, for having thank me today you. thank you yes yes it was an amazing conversation full of like specific useful intel but also just wisdom lots of wisdom Aww. So thank you for joining us, Susan Branton, and I hope we do it again. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you for staying with us and for speaking sex. And until next week, speak sex and believe Eve. If I could make love incessantly, I would be God.